Welcome to another episode of the Tech Marketing Podcast. This is actually quite an interesting and different, this is a kind of an, an alert or a bulletin we're running, isn't it? Because there's just been a new announcement and we thought, let's just jump on a recording quickly and get our team's opinion because we, we just don't know what on earth is going on. That's the uh, client-friendly, safe, language-safe version. What on earth is going on right now in the third-party cookie space? We've all been prepping for it, for them to go away the beginning of next year, and now it's been pushed. When's it been pushed out to? Or end of 2024? Um, so joining me uh, in, and Harry in the booth, as always, is Abby and Alex, who are joining us from the Encore team, who live the third-party cookie challenge day in, day out. They've been preparing for it. They've been like a digital version of preppers like we've been hoarding got cookie bunker in my basement exactly we've been holding them um and now the expiry dates just changed so like when has google pushed it out to I believe it's the end of 2024 but there's no fixed date yeah they like to keep it vague like that yeah yeah because because you guys were actually in an update from google when the, when they changed this weren't they and there was a yeah, yeah we're actually yeah, it was actually with the iab europe so they actually had the top dogs from the privacy sandbox running us through the timeline uh and then it was lo and behold the next day uh we had the announcement that they were moving pushing the deadline back so the only way i can describe all of this john is like groundhog day basically i feel like we've been <laughs> in this conversation and i fear it may happen again but um, well, i've got another two years of the conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so we're just going yeah we're going round and round in circles what so so they they pushed it out from it was january next well, so, so actually yeah it was actually going to be the end they were again a little bit vague with the deadline for for 2023 so they pushed the deadline to it was going to be the end end of 2023 so basically right. they're pushing it on a year um so i mean there's lots of speculation i think of why they're doing that i mean me and alex have you know differing opinions of of what kind of pushed them over the edge i think to give it a little bit of context i don't know if they um, are i don't know if they are differing actually i think they're just all yes, yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> i think i think we just need to give it a little bit of context of what's going on as well so um and obviously, we've already done an amazing podcast on this. So if anyone hasn't listened to that, go back and listen to our third party. And, it, and it's all still relevant as well, isn't it, Abby? Like all of that is... Absolutely. Nothing's changed. We're just talking about timelines here. And if, if anything, for me, it's just, it's actually put a little bit more pressure on because this isn't going away. This is 100% happening. And this isn't, you know, it's just about how long it's taking. And when you think about it, like the cookie was invented and, in, you know, was it like 25 years ago? Was it 1994? Okay, so to try and phase, and I know, again, we're not phasing out cookies, it's just third-party cookies, but trying to phase out something that underpins our whole, you know, marketing, ad tech, internet system, it's like that's going to take more than a couple of years. So... It turns out that it turns out it, it's pretty difficult to re-engineer the way the ad tech ecosystem works. Funny, enough. funny that, yeah. Um, but I think one of the big big factors to the delay is, has been from the involvement with the CMA. So they are the Competitions Market Authority, um, and as we know, Google holds the keys to most of the ad tech, if not all of the ad tech industry. So um, they are now involved in the whole development of all of the privacy sandbox. So I think that's a big factor to why this is all slowed down because in reality, the adoption needs to happen across the whole ecosystem. So it's all well and good for Google to come and say, we're going to get rid of these and, you know, good luck with the rest of, you know, 
your lives basically so uh, CMA have come in and they're like hang on a minute we need to make sure that people understand the technology actually works you know we're not just pushing more money towards Google and like blocking out everybody else so I think that slowed everything down so it's just given everybody a chance to actually adopt all of these new new systems they're going to put in place yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you think about it from this perspective, and I've just looked this figure up, the ad tech industry is worth about thirty billion, or maybe more than that. No, that seems way too low. Actually, it's probably more, way more than that. That's probably ad spend. That's probably like the ad spend in, in like I'd say, and then plus some <laughs> daily. Yeah. But the but the you know if we use that as an example, then you know cookies. Even if we use like a conservative, like, let's use really conservative numbers here, right? So we only. Third-party cookies only impact what fifteen percent of what we do. Alex, is it around that figure? Uh, about forty. About forty. Uh, latest okay. check. Yeah. So forty percent. So, like, essentially, what the CMA are saying is, if you just turn this off, there's like a 50, at least a fifteen billion dollar industry over here that's just gonna not exist anymore. Is that why they're not doing it? Because it's just too expensive. And if if so, like, why do they keep saying they're gonna do it? I think they have to do it. I think, as we as we just said, it's a combination of factors. One of them, absolutely, is the fact that the CMA has to be involved in every single at every single step of the solutions that Google is uh, developing to replace them. But also, you got to bear in mind that, as I said, it's very difficult to re-engineer the way the ad ecosystem works, and to actually do that and create new solutions, you've got to test them internally at Google, test them with various third parties that they work with, then roll it out to the general public. And guess what? That takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's clear clear that the time... Uh, sorry, then couple that with the CMA getting involved. And I have a bit of a Tim Ford hat view that, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Alphabet's revenue at the end of Q2 um, missed its earnings target and their ad spend growth also slowed. So combine all those pressures together and you've got um you've got some pretty aggressive timelines that they were trying to hit and i just think it's not realistic so your view was they were gonna the revenues were declining anyway and this was just going to be a nail in the coffin and they just we need to fix that before they could get rid of i think it's an extra pressure i just think it's an extra pressure on top of all the other work that they need to do and then on top of the cma piece as well yeah yeah i think that's fair i think the um i think the CMA piece can't be understated. At least we have. At least we can say we have some global influence here because it was the UK CMA that's caused this global shift. Um, although I think no one was really that uh, that worried when the shift when everything got moved out. They were like, "Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, we keep it as it is." Um, Harry, there's a great Instagram post actually I need to send to you on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, should... of, uh, I'm not leaving. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah we're you've seen it then. Street, okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, cool. I think I think, the, the, um, the, I think the CMA getting involved though is just giving it the structure that it needed. So like they they have like I don't know like eight different stages of their process, but like they're very very much in the beginning stage still, which is you know the transparency and consultation with third party like for third parties. It's at that very early stage, and until they get that bit right and understand what the impact's truly going to be, what te- what technologies everybody's relying yeah. on, they can't actually even begin to move to roll these things out. So, I would also imagine now the CMA is involved, because when Google set out to do this, let's face it, Google are going to benefit quite massively from the changes. CMA is now involved to make sure that doesn't impact the rest of the market. 
Google has probably had to change quite dramatically what it wants to achieve from some of its solutions. So that, again, that's going to have a knock-on effect of redesigning their product. But let, let's just dive into that a little bit more because I because originally when we were talking when were cookies due to be banned originally it was January this year twenty twenty two yeah twenty twenty originally wasn't it twenty twenty one it was twenty twenty it was announced announced in twenty twenty I think it was back in twenty twenty one then it was twenty twenty two H two twenty twenty two then twenty twenty three and now twenty twenty four. Because originally, when it was this year, at least, or maybe even when it was last year, that Flock was their main, like, this is what we're going to replace it with. They tested that. It failed. Have they actually, you know, we talk about the privacy sandbox, but has there been any alternative solutions that have been presented that are serious alternatives yet? Or is, because my perception is Flock looked quite serious when they were when they were building it. Like, it was this new AI, AI-generated uh privacy first local in your browser model which you know kind of kind of made sense and of course it flopped um and we've not flock flock (laughs) and i've not seen anything that's been similar apart from some of this you know the other these other kind of cookie-less solutions that are very platform dependent so like what is what are the replacements so topics is the uh replacement and it works in a kind of similar way but a bit more manually curated so some of some of the challenges with flock um were that because it was all ai driven it would put you into potentially sensitive categories so if you're browsing um content about related to any health issues that you have or any, anything to do with that it could potentially place you into a targeting segment of people mm-hmm. that have similar issues right which is obviously not what you want to do um so Topics is essentially a much more stripped back version of that, and it's actually curated by humans. So um, again, because it's not in its, it's not been released yet in its current iteration. I believe it's it's much more of a basic taxonomy. Almost think of it like content labels. So it'd be like business, finance, technology, whatever. Um, and that set of uh, topics is curated and to ensure that. There's no sensitive categories in there, um, but but the logic is still the same, right? It's still key, it's still got Chrome as the gatekeeper for that information. You manage everything in Chrome. I actually tried to sign up because um, they're rolling out user testing for topics now. I tried mm-hmm. to sign up on Friday last week, uh, and it's I don't know. Encourage our listeners to to try it themselves. If you go to Chrome settings and under privacy, there's a little option. Um, uh, you can sign up for testing, but it's grayed out for me, which means I assume, big assumption, but I'm assuming it's not available in Europe just yet. Interesting. So so it's still going to be the Chrome browser that decides to put you in those topics. Correct. And it's just not going to be, it's not, it's not going to be what we would probably call unsupervised learning based, so where it would just kind of start looking at people and then building models itself it's going to be manually curated uh, yeah and, 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 and quite broad as well i imagine i don't think they'll get hugely granular with their taxonomy so it'll be just high level user interest basically but what about people that aren't in chrome like you know there are still we all of us use our mobile which is if you're on an iphone is not chrome um you know, if it's all Safari based, like I do know some people that use Safari and even some people that still use Edge. Like, is it is it just not going to apply to them? Are they going to just sit outside of this ecosystem and we just won't be able to target them effectively? What what does it look like outside the Chrome ecosystem? Well, I think you've got two two different categories there. So you've got 
what's going on on the web in terms of browsers. So Firefox and Safari being the key ones. And that's why, you know, our message is don't, uh, I'm a big motor racing fan, so excuse the analogy, but don't lift off here, you know, um, continue on with your journey in terms of privacy, cookie-less testing, etc. because we have two massive ecosystems, Safari and Firefox, where third-party cookies are already blocked as standard and have done for the last mm-hmm. 18 months, I think it is. Yeah, it's 2019, um, I think, yeah. So you can't, just because Chrome is change the change the goalpost a little bit don't don't let that stop you because you're still missing out on any users in those environments and we obviously, we obviously want to hit those hit those types of users um, I think the other the other uh, side of the coin is what's going on on mobile devices obviously cookies are primarily a desktop uh, web driven currency um, uh, and Google actually did announce, or didn't announce, but mentioned in this event we had the last week that they are going to try to bring together what's happening with across the web and what's happening on um, like Android with mobile ad IDs, etc. Um, so watch this space in terms of uh, the mobile environment. So, so mobile, we're going to move kind of back. That sounds like we're kind of going back to where we were when you could have device IDs. Is that right, Alex? Well, I think they're just going to expand out um, I could be wrong here, but they're going to expand out some of the privacy sandbox initiatives to include mobile as well. Got it, got it. Or, so, or develop, so almost to try and bring them together. I mean, it would make sense, like if I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is a tinfoil hat moment, because I, but if I'm looking out to the future, like Chrome, who have most of the browser share, most of the market share at the moment, like those topics, if they do get adopted, will start to become the new lexicon that I guess we use across the whole ad ecosystem. Because you know, if someone's gone to that that effort of manually creating the different topics, and do we have any idea how many they're going to be? Is it going to be like sixty, six hundred, six thousand? Like how many? How detailed is that going to get? Do, do we know yet? Yeah, there is a number for the for for phase one, uh, which I don't remember off the top of my head to be honest with you. But it's super broad, like Abby mentioned earlier. And again, from the um, there was actually a there was actually a document that the CMA released uh, of its so every quarter the CMA releases its discussions with Google over that quarter and where the latest uh, initiatives are at uh, and one of those uh, one of those um, kind of consultations was around uh, the industry going well hang on a minute the topics that you've got are way too broad there's no value for advertisers there what are you going to do about it and Google have kind of gone we're aware of this. This is where we're at for phase one, but we will begin to include more topics as we move forwards, make it. it a bit more granular. Got it. Yeah. That, I mean, it's okay. So that, that makes sense. But I'm like, I, I would guess that those topics will start to become some element of like industry standard. So you'll be able to but use an ad platform to buy them and it will buy them in Chrome and then it will, you, you know, apply some technology to, to other networks. Um, that, I get, that's just what I'm thinking in my head, like where that will go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's about right. So, so, so it'll be more for like a publisher declaring what bucket their inventory kind of falls into, or that yep. page falls into, and then yeah, you would imagine every time that loads, that signal will get passed to various ad buying platforms. I mean, this might sound like a silly question, but surely publishers already have those buckets. So why are they reinventing them for topics? Like, what's the? <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to ask Google for that. <laughs> Just if you're given a shot, yeah, they, we we didn't we didn't stop to think. Should we do this? We just went, well, we can. Um, okay, but from a from a privacy standpoint, like Abby, from you know, 
putting your compliance hat on we're wearing lots of different hats in this episode for some reason um putting your compliance hat on like how do you feel this looks from uh, i'm gonna say from two angles like for the user from the in the first instance but then for the second instance like how does it look for the advertiser it's true like you know ultimately for the user dependent on where you sit it's going to be better because if if we're if we're moving to a more privacy focused privacy by design industry which we should be and across the board i think just having more control over how your data is being used you know having initiatives that are much more transparent and had had involvement from regulators as well i think is is a good move from from a marketing perspective i just at the minute i think it's very unknown it's going to be limiting to begin with for sure and i think what we're used to being able to do in the kind of the granularity that we used to be able to target on and the information we're able to deem from that is going to be restricted for sure you know um and i think it's i think it's just like alex saying like at the minute some models some people rely heavily on third party cookies others don't use them at all it depends where you sit in the ecosystem but I think it's about understanding the value of the data you do have, moving to the different technologies, testing what works for you, because it's just not going to be one size fits all. You're going to use some of the products that Google rolled out. There'll be other alternatives. You know, the the ID space is going to be so many different variants, but that's actually what becomes very, very complex, because then you have to, not only do you have to understand, you know, your own ecosystem, but then the wider ad tech ecosystem and how to utilize everything at your disposal. It's it's already already complex and it's just getting even more confusing you know a lot of this a lot of this kind of hasn't really changed from the last time we all caught up i guess it's just the timelines have just got longer i just it, you know are we going to reach next year and they're going to be pushed again to 2025 like do you think that's going to be likely or do we you know i'm i'm already starting to see chrome i think i'm going to look it up now what how's chrome's market share i'm sure they will start to lose it's i've heard it's 50 percent now i've seen some recent numbers to indicate that it's around 50 percent why do we think that's dropping? Do we think that, um, you know, do we think it's just, you know, users are afraid of uh, the privacy concerns now and they're, they're actually wanting to move to other browsers like Brave, like uh, like Safari? I, I I think that will, I don't know if that's the whole driver, but that plays a part. Like you've seen, I'm sure our listeners and you guys would have seen the TV ads that Apple are running or have run recently about privacy and Samsung have just started their own, um ads as well so this whole privacy movement is just getting more and more momentum behind it and browsers like brave uh, i'd be interested to see their stats actually where to see if their user base has grown uh, i think people are ultimately turning to browsers that um that offer them a bit more security yeah i mean looking at, i've got some of the stats open now um and we do actually publish these stats for b2b which i can i can pull out um, because you know B2B usage is always slightly different. Um, you know, we we've always we've historically seen a tip more towards Edge and Internet Explorer and browsers that are installed in B2B environments because of because of the way they're managed. So you probably you normally wouldn't see things like Brave um and privacy folk dare I say privacy focused browsers in the B2B environment because they are centrally deployed and managed and you have to have certain permissions to to install them. But looking at the overall stats like Chrome's still sitting, you know, between sixty-seven and sixty-eight percent. Like it's dropped and gone up and gone down. I think, a bit. I think, John, right? But like back, back to your question of like, do we think, you know, come, you know, summer twenty twenty-four, we're gonna, you know, have the same conversation? I mean, your guess is as good as mine. But I think on this, I, like I said at the beginning, this isn't going away. Like it's just about 
rolling out the technology in a way that everybody understands. They've given people enough time to adopt it. You know, it's going to take quite a while to fit everybody's needs. And now the CMA is involved, it's just going to take that a little bit longer. But I do think giving giving a product that's actually going to be usable for everybody. Um, and and as I said, but everything that we've been talking about for the last two years still stands. And, it, and it, if anything, I just think this accelerates it for me. I'm like, you need to just get on to everything we've been talking about, like auditing your current data, um, understanding what the actual impact is going to be to you as a business. Because as we said, some people you rely on third-party cookies far more than others. Um, and I guess it's, you know, building out your products. If you are a brand, B2B brand, making sure you've got that proper value exchange we've spoken about before of being able to get your users and get your first-party data up. So I think all of the things we know are at our disposal. We know what we've got to do. It's just about keeping on top of it. And when, you know, people like Google finally do roll out their alternatives, it's like, you know, what you're going to need to use and how reliant you're going to be on it. I think you've summed it up brilliantly there, Abby, which is you need to get on the bandwagon now. I guess I guess one question I would have just before we kind of bring this bring this to a conclusion, although I think we'll use everything you just said as our conclusion there, is like what you know, we last released a we released a great podcast at the end of twenty twenty one about <laughs> cookies. Like what have we been trying in the last six months that that, that has had some success? Yes, we're trying. We're trying a multitude of different things. Actually, um, I think what we've found, and something really important to point out to to all of our listeners, is that, like, the technologies that uh, exist outside of the Google ecosystem and are coming, kind of being heralded as the replacement for cookies, still aren't finished. Is is how I would describe them. Um, so we're working, uh, we've got an upcoming test with a provider called ID5 who can help us do uh, some retargeting work uh, in a purely cookie-less way. Um, the other things um, that we've kind of been working on is, again, just focusing more on our clients' first-party data. Like Abby mentioned, that regardless of what happens with cookies in the future, first the, the importance of first-party data will just continue to grow. Um, so encouraging our brands to sort of take a look internally, what data are they collecting? How could that then be used to enhance their marketing campaigns moving forwards? And then the, the other one that's been around since the existence of, um, of kind of advertising is um, contextual targeting. Like we do a hell of a lot of contextual targeting and that will likely grow um, dependent on the scale of these other solutions like ID5 or whatever, whatever happens to those guys. Yeah, contextual is not going anywhere. It's still a great way to target your campaigns. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're very much testing our, what we call a portfolio approach. So multitude of different ways to, to achieve our goal. So I'm going to come back to the way that, um, I think Abby, you described this at the beginning. This it's essentially, this is Groundhog Day. So if you listen to our previous podcast on third party cookies, hopefully you've learned something new. Uh, if not, it will feel like Groundhog Day to all of you. And it's feeling very much like, like it to us and though in the industry right now, we are just, um, reliving the same thoughts over and over again. And, and it definitely feels like two steps forward, one step back, but the advice is still the same. Like look at the data, audit the data you have. Um, start trying out some of these new technologies, test and learn from them. And and Alex, just as you said, like let's you know move across to some some older techniques that are, that are still good. Contextual targeting uh, being being a great one. So thank you very much, Alex and Abby, for joining us on this special uh, third party cookie bulletin. 
um, which we're going to entitle WTF is going on in the third part with third party cookies because we just don't know. Everyone keeps Google keeps moving the goalposts, but the advice is still very much the same. Thank you very much for all of our listeners. Hopefully you've you found it uh, a great podcast today, and we will see you again uh, in a, in two weeks. Thanks everybody. Thank you.